on the collection side of things and uh, I guess uh, the impulse uh, to formalize the informal sector and uh, maybe what informs uh, that and a lot of that having to do with the potential of all of the economic activity that happens in that sector and uh, you add to that uh, of course uh, some of the uh, fiscal challenges that we have the deficit which is set to grow uh, then you might understand why uh, that might be seen as a potential source of revenue. But uh, talking about that, uh, I'm going to talk shortly to the Commissioner at the Receiver of Revenue, Edward Kisweta, who today announced uh, the uh, uh, preliminary results of uh, revenue collection for 2019-20 and uh, seeing uh, uh, yeah, your personal income tax leading the charge there. And uh, he joins me now on the line. Commissioner, good evening to you and welcome. Hi, Bongo. How are you doing? I'm very well, thanks. How are you? I'm too young to complain. Too young to complain. Thank you, thank you. I haven't heard that one. Certainly going to steal that one. Commissioner, I want us to maybe start off here. Uh, when when you look at the 2019-20 figures in relation maybe to two sets of other figures, one uh, the preceding years, 2018-19 and maybe 2017-18, and, uh, and then in relation to what you would have projected, uh, what do those numbers look like against projections and also against, I guess, a recent, uh, a recent experience? I think, first of all, Obonga, uh, you would know that since 2009, when we rebounded from the 2008 financial crisis, we went into a recession, we rebounded to 3%, and since then, have been in a steady decline uh, from then. Um, if you give just this year as the window, when the minister announced the target of 1.422 in February last year, yes. that was against National Treasury's optimistic forecast for nominal growth of 7%. Mm. We actually delivered nominal growth of only 4.8% um, against that 7%. In that context, a tax revenue growth of 5.3% um, compared to the 4.8% growth, is indeed a credible result. Mm-hmm. I mean, talk, just talking about some of those assumptions there, I'm looking at some of the figures here from the medium-term budget policy statement in 2019, uh, and it seems that on many of these uh, you know, uh, 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 forms of tax, uh, that uh, there's been an underperformance in relation to what had been projected uh, would be collected, and uh, the bulk of that coming through on the dividends tax. What happened there uh, that accounted for, you know, say, 11.3% variation uh, in terms of what you collected vis-a-vis what had been projected uh, a few months ago? So, I mean, in the poor economic conditions that we experienced, which is characterized by high public debt, underperforming SOEs, unreliable electricity supply, couples with low business confidence, we really have not seen growth in many of the sectors. The Mm. manufacturing and the financial sectors were the biggest casualties there. Uh, We've seen negative growth of 0.4%, 2.9%, and 1% respectively in the primary, secondary, and tertiary sectors. That has also contributed to lower profitability. It has contributed to more retrenchments that we had had, um, penciled in, lower wage settlements, and reduced bonuses. Uh, so all of that then translates into, uh, because remember, VAT is simply a reflection of consumer behavior. Yes. Uh, and that's down because uh, consumers have not really spent at the levels that they had expected to. Mm. Uh, VAT, uh, sorry, uh, uh, customs duties are down significantly. 
uh, yesterday we announced a uh, a 14.5% trade surplus. Um, now that would normally be trade surplus would normally be good news mm. because it would mean that we earn more foreign revenue than what we export round. Sure. Um, except in this case, our trade surplus comes from a steady decline in imports mm. and therefore an undercollection in customs duty and uh, customs VAT. Um, and does so that also explain, I guess, all uh, interconnected? Does, does that explain, I guess, uh, the uh, much better than expected improvement then on your excise duties? Well, probably we drink more when we are sad and we drink <laughs> more when you celebrate. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you'll know that, that uh, the so called syntaxes are normally the, the, the soft targets when we are uh, looking at, uh, at revenue collection. So mm. uh, in the year that is passed, um, we've seen excise duties on alcohol and tobacco, for example, increasing uh, by between 7.4 and 9%. We've seen an increase in general fuel levies, uh, uh, the road accident fund, and and the fuel uh, on carbon taxes. So yeah, so so excise taxes is the one that uh, that has shown some positive results. Mm. Um, Although and, not an entirely I, positive story. I mean, uh, if we smoke well, and I mean, drinking a bit more. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, I guess uh, during the lockdown, uh, we can expect to see uh, a significant drop in excise taxes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely, period. definitely. At least of all on cigarettes. But uh, I want us to also take a look at something else here. Uh, oftentimes when... Uh, the budget comes around, people say, ah, hike your corporate uh, income tax. Uh, and if I look at some of the revenue tables that you shared here, uh, from a collections perspective, it uh, really hasn't been uh, a fundamental difference uh, in terms of what you collected from corporations for income tax uh, between 2018 and 2019, all hovering around uh, 214 billion rand or so. Uh, and I want to maybe hear from you, uh, if you compare that to a 7.1% rise in personal income tax, is that sustainable when we clearly know how many section... Uh, you know, a Section 189 processes are underway that might lead to retrenchments. Are we are we set to see even a decline on that personal income tax number? I think you're going to see a big knock on all of those taxes. If you mm. just take the three weeks of the lockdown, uh, add to that the, 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 the social distancing, and heaven knows where this is going to end. We are all positive. But what we know uh, is that it's going to have a significant impact in economic activity. Also, the tax measures that the president has announced uh, is indeed about saving as many small companies as Mm. we can and therefore as many jobs as we can. When the economy grinds to a halt, it's going to be significantly harder to to, to restart it than if it is just slowing down to an idle. We keep it at a trickle. It's much easier. It's the difference between your car breaking down completely and just uh, idling uh, at a traffic light. Mm. Um, and so for us, we do expect a significant impact in all of those taxes. Um, the, the wage bill, in a way, also reflects uh, specifically uh, wage increases in the public sector, which we know is not sustainable, mm. um, and have, have, have trended to be above uh, nominal inflation in, in many respects, um, and also um, has reflected traditionally uh, executive remuneration, bonuses, uh, uh, 
and, and salary mm. increases generally. Mm. Commissioner, this year, Commissioner, I just want us to take a, a brief break here. I want us to pause here for a second because uh, I want us to continue on, on the vein that you're charting out about the impact of uh, the wage structure. But I also want us to speak in uh, a bit more detail about uh, some of the tax bills that came through over the last day or so and what they mean. Uh, for uh, employers and employees alike. So so let's pause here for a second, take a quick spot break, and we'll continue on the other side. Good. 13 minutes it is after 8 p.m., and uh, we're in conversation with the Commissioner at the South African Revenue Service, uh, Edward Kisweta, and we're talking about uh, some of the uh, revenue collection numbers that have come through for the 2019-20 financial year, and uh, he joins me uh, on the line. Now, Commissioner, <coughs> before we went to the break, you were speaking about uh, some of the issues on the wage structure, and I want you to continue on that, and we can maybe pick up on some of the bills that have come through over the last day or so? So on the wage structure, you know, regardless of the views different interest groups may have, it is absolutely um, very clear that our levels um, are lower than what we would expect it against international norms. Now you can argue our history, you can argue any from you want, the reality is our current wage bill in the public sector is unaffordable and unsustainable. Um, and the $160 billion that was penciled in in February as a necessary saving over the uh, medium term uh, is going to be surpassed by uh, the impact of the Moody's downgrade, the impact of COVID, uh, and the loss to the uh, fiscal uh, right there. We just don't have the money. We can do whatever we want. So that's a big issue that we have to address. But along that, uh, there, are, there are four things for me that's quite important if we take a forward view of the economy. The one is uh, government will have to step up in terms of the structural reforms um, in order to improve our overall fiscal framework. We, we, we have run out of space uh, to borrow. Uh, but also our cost of borrowing has become unaffordable. And when you begin to spend more money on servicing your debt than any other item on your, on your, on your budget, you're heading for trouble. And we are heading towards that unless we can significantly curtail our expenditure and reduce our borrowing. And in fact, redirect our resources mm. uh, to the much-needed productive capability that will grow the economy, create new businesses, expand employment opportunities, and increase domestic consumption. We have to stop thinking only about those of us who have the privilege of employment and think about how do we share what we have with the 10 million South Africans who don't even have employment. Mm. The conversation just has to shift. The second issue, when I have a forward-looking view, is the extent and the eventual impact of this most threatening existential risk of our generation, which is COVID-19. That will have, where the final economic, human, and social cost will end, no one knows. We can hope for the best, but we have to plan for the worst. At this stage, slowing down the rate of infection through our stepped-up hygiene practices, through increasing our social distance practices, and where appropriate, enforcing the enforced lockdowns, border shutdowns, etc. They appear to be quite draconian, but it is our only hope to defeat this invisible and this persistent enemy. Mm, then mm. thirdly, government and social partners will have to step up our collective resolve and our ability to keep the wheels of the economy going. Even if it's at a slower pace, even if the rate of growth in the wage uh, allocation to those of us who are working 
um, slow down. Unless we act in our common interest, we are all doomed. And I'm one of the most optimistic people that you will find, and yet I am saying the writing is on the wall. We cannot continue with incremental change. We cannot continue as nothing has happened. Mm. And then the last point in terms of our work is you, you will have known that the rebuilding of SARS from the devastating impact of state capture mm. and the weakened SARS uh, continues. We have yes. begun to see, thankfully, some of the early green shoots. We will continue that mm. work. Commissioner, yeah. j- j- just before we get to some of that work, because I think there's a lot of interesting things we can speak to there. I mean, least of all for me, a large business center, which is one of the things I'm quite interested in. But let's talk about these bills uh, for a second here. We know the Youth Employment Tax Incentive uh, had initially been uh, mooted to run between 2014 and 2019. It was extended last year to 2029. In the bills uh, that uh, uh, had been presented over the last day or so for public comment, uh, you've also extended this to uh, uh, workers that wouldn't be defined by many as young. Talk to us about that and also, I guess, uh, uh, the allowance you've made for other entities to uh, maybe defray or delay some of the obligations uh, by way of payment that are due to you. Sure. The first one that you refer to, Ayabonga, um, is the easiest way to reach the widest possible community of workers, particularly those earning below 6500 uh, 6, a month, through what is known as the Employee Tax Incentive Scheme. Mm. This is a straightforward 500 rand subsidy per month per qualifying employee. Initially, it was between 18 and 29. We've raised that to broaden the, the community uh, of beneficiaries. Um, and it's a straightforward subsidy. Obviously, uh, to do that, uh, employers have to be compliant and in the net and compliant in terms of the uh, ETI uh, compliance, and as they pay as you earn compliance. The, the other thing that we have done, because remember, this is a cash flow injection, and this is a straightforward subsidy. There's no recouping of that uh, back to the state. Mm. Um, and and, and uh, so we also have introduced a monthly reconciliation. Uh, traditionally, we reconciled that twice a year and paid out the ETI uh, subsidy once a year. Um, so now we will do that monthly. We've had to uh, rejig our systems in order to administer that. But uh, from the first, uh, the seventh of May, when the first payments are due, uh, we will be able to administer this on a monthly basis. Mm-hmm. So that is a straightforward subsidy in the hands of employers to give them some cash flow to see them hopefully through this, yeah. and that runs um, for uh, the period that has been announced. Okay. The, se- the second two um, is more specifically targeted at, um, uh, at small businesses with an annual turnover up to 50 million. Mm. And they both are intended to bring cash flow relief, but it's really an effect of a payment deferral. In other words, the money is still due, but uh, we're deferring it. The okay. first deferral is to tell employers that 20% of the tax they would ordinarily deduct from their employees' income tax, instead of paying 100% over to SARS, they can retain 20%. Um, again, this is to provide them with a bit of cash flow, uh, keep their businesses going, and save jobs. And this is um, a provision from the 1st of April to the 31st of July. After that period, they then slowly begin to repay that 
um, uh, so that by the end of the year they are square again mm. in terms of, of, uh, of the cash you earn. And the second uh, provision for small businesses is um, a provision to defer 35% of the provisional tax payment. So ordinarily what would happen is a company would pay, not just company, companies and individuals would pay after six months their first provisional payment. They make an estimation of where their year-end profit will be, and therefore they pay 50% of that estimation. Then the second provisional, six months later, they pay the other 50%. Then when they actually have wrapped up the results and finalized the results, they then pay the difference to the extent that there may be a difference. Okay. All right. And then uh, so in this case, yeah, in yeah. this case, uh, uh, basically, government is saying instead of paying fifty-fifty, pay fifty now and eighty-five next year. Uh, stagger your payments cycle. so that yeah. uh, at least you can improve your cash flow position. Okay. Yeah. All right. Last question here before we let you go, and I guess it's, it's something that you touched on earlier on some of the initiatives and efforts that you have underway. Uh, maybe just let us in on that because I remember the last time I spoke to you on this platform. Uh, we're talking about the large business center at its relaunch. So, so let's just talk briefly about some of those initiatives and uh, some of the headway that you've managed to make there. So, I mean, the first confession is we don't want to declare early victory for Ebonga, but, but at the same time, we have to acknowledge uh, the small gains that we have made. And that's also important for our staff to give them a sense that we can win again and to improve the morale. Mm. So we have addressed the, the, the high-burning issues that were were raised in the Nugent report, the leadership integrity, the governance issues, and putting in place some of the organizational arrangements uh, that you have mentioned. We know we've taken leave of some uh, of the high-profile leaders. Um, We have reassigned the balance of the leadership team to roles which I considered more appropriate to their level of skill and competence. Uh, Unfortunately, many of them ended up in work that wasn't really suited to them. Uh, and now it is about performance management. And I can tell you, we will be very clear on what we expect, how we measure performance, and how we hold you accountable. The second issue is we have to begin to reimagine what SARS could be like. Mm. And so that gave rise to a new vision to build a smart, modern SARS with unquestionable integrity that can be trusted and admired, and to base our administrative work on a clear strategic intent of voluntary compliance. That's in line with international best practices. There's no rocket science there. We're not reinventing the wheel. We're simply saying go back to the basics, do what is international best practice, and build Mm. a credible institution. That journey has started. We have very clear nine objectives, and we have now reorganized ourselves to deliver against those objectives. Mm. Uh, And then... You know, revenue is derived from three things. Firstly, from tax policy in any given economy. Secondly, from the compliance culture. Uh, And thirdly, from the administrative capability. Uh, One of the sad after effects of the residual damage of state capture is that even honest taxpayers have begun to feel morally justified to fiddle Mm. with their taxes. This issue of tax morality, yeah. Tax morality. Mm. And then criminals have become emboldened. Our estimation is, and we will round that up with the Davis Tax Committee, and and to the middle of the year we'll come back and report to South Africa around the... the, But the early indications is that we are losing at least $100 just from compliance. Mm -hmm. So if you take this past year, if you take the down 
were trend in economic growth uh, from 7% to 4.8. Our estimation is 60 billion of revenue is lost just by the economic. And then if you say at least 100 billion from compliance, you can see that there is well over 150 billion that is uncollected because of the level of compliance and uh, the economic in, uh, factors. Mm. Now, it therefore means that if we get the rebuilding of SARS right, there's some low-hanging fruit. And this year alone, we have seen uh, within the revenue numbers that we have announced, uh, the 1356, we have seen in that number 60 billion of additional revenue from just improving the general compliance uh, and that's companies making, taking chances in terms of provisional payments, mm. uh, in terms of uh, messing around with that, withholding uh, pay as you earn, just general compliance, but also some criminal activities. I'll give you an example of two things we did using some uh, data. Mm. Just one, just learning. one, Commissioner, just one. We have, we have prevented 600 million of fraudulent VAT refunds mm. by doing some deep, uh, machine learning and using data better. Okay. Another one, we have been able to uh, collect 500 million rand by just better data matching of people who own second properties but may not have disclosed it and therefore have not paid rental. And those are some of the examples that we will expand and increase the use mm. of data, use more artificial intelligence and technology. And you know what? In that regard, COVID-19 is giving us a huge impetus. We will never return to what mm. SARS was before COVID. You're certainly uh, not wasting use, the crisis, certainly from what you suggested. We are absolutely taking this crisis and accelerating our journey towards a smart modern SARS. Commissioner, thank you very much for your time. And I certainly hope that uh, as those numbers come through, uh, you will certainly uh, uh, continue as you've done uh, before uh, to share those with us on this platform. Thank you very much for your time. Pleasure, Adonga. That there was the commissioner at the South African Revenue Service, Edward Kisweta, speaking to us this evening here on Metro FM Talk.